Welcome back to Conversations Podcast. I'm Scott Law. And I'm Terry Law. And we are alert and here and ready to go. Today we're going to talk again about hearing the voice of God. Talk about uh, speaking in tongues and listening to the Holy Spirit and how that pertains to our life. So, Dad, why don't you want me to start off with scripture today? Or let me uh, preface. Uh, pre- well, I'll do a, an introduction to where I think we're going in the in our uh, time today. Okay. Uh, we've been looking at how to hear the voice of God. We looked at this in the area of eagles and how eagles teach their youngsters how to fly. The whole idea of hearing God's voice and flying where he wants to take us in life. And then I've been talking about four principles that prepare your spirit, your inner person, the real you, to hear the voice of God. The primary verse on that was... Uh, uh, Romans eight sixteen for his spirit bears witness with our spirit mm. that we are the children of God. Now that's a, that's a fact, and that's the proper methodology by which God talks to us. He doesn't talk to our mind nearly as much as he talks to our inner spirit. So if you're looking for something in your mind in trying to hear God's voice, you're probably looking in the wrong direction. Romans 8, 7 says, For the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So we're not going to hear God in our, in our intellectual mind near as much as we hear him in the still small voice, away down in our hearts. And I've mentioned this in, in days gone by. I've been talking just currently now with uh, three, uh, four principles about how to hear God's voice on a daily basis. And the first point I taught on was meditation. Uh, out of uh, Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of them, thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest be careful to observe everything that is written therein, for therein shall your way prosper and have good success. The first principle in hearing God's voice directly is spending time in God's Word, learning how, like a cow chewing on its cud, learning how to draw out every morsel of life that is in Scripture. Mm-hmm. The Bible is alive with the life of God, and that life is what your heart is hungry for. It's what my heart is hungry for. And uh, in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, rhema, Every rhema, which proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, it's uh, important to understand that there is a word proceeding to you out of the mouth of God. The fact that that word is connected with God's mouth means it is a spoken word. The two words for the word of God in, in the Bible are logos. Uh, logos is John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, etc., now, that word logos means everything in the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, etc. Rhema simply means a word that's spoken. God takes a word out of the huge word of the Bible and speaks it into your heart at a certain time and a certain place. And that word comes alive. It begins to burn a hole in your heart, and you know when that's happening. You're sensing the breath of God. You're sensing the mouth of God speaking 
his word down into your human spirit. And that's what we crave for. And it's so important when that happens, when we meditate and uh, we grab a hold of God's word, uh, the next step in hearing God's voice is, number one, meditation. Number two, uh, becoming a doer of the word. And we read that scripture, Scott, in uh, Matthew seven twenty four. Uh, the wise man built his house mm. upon the rock, and the rains came tumbling down, and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. Uh, that Sunday school course never really gave us a spiritual message there. The reason one was building on a rock is when he heard the word of God, he did it. And that's the key here. If you want to hear God's voice, first of all, you're going to have to do God's word when it comes to you. Because the first thing the word will do is it'll show you errors that you're making. It'll show you uh, things in your life that you've got to clean up. You've got to get out of the way. You've got to sweep the carpet. You've got to uh, clean up your life. And in that process, when we do God's word, and uh, in a negative sense, look out or chase, uh, get the sin out of there, and in the positive sense, see the good things of God that are uh, ours in Christ. We're righteous. We're forgiven. We're healed. We're, uh, we're prospered and blessed. We're, uh, we have life and not death. All those good things of God are there. And we, when we see God's word, we do what God's word tells us. Now, we've come to the third point of hearing the voice of God. And this is a very important point. And that is learning how to pray in the Spirit. One of the most important functions of my life in the last 50 years of living for the Lord has been a time spent in praying in the Spirit. And I'll, I'll tell you how this began for me and how when I realized how important it was in order to hear God's voice. I had gone to Bible school in Canada uh, in the province of Alberta in Edmonton. Uh, I took my third year. My first two years were in Saskatoon. My last year was in Edmonton. And uh, I graduated from Bible school. Uh, we had an ordination service. Uh, the elders of the church laid hands on me, prayed for me, etc. And I was prepared to do something. I had five different offers from different churches to do different things. Um, one church wanted me as a youth pastor, another wanted me as a, as a music pastor, another one wanted me as a pastor pastor, and uh, two of those. And But in all the offers that came to me, I couldn't settle on what God wanted me to do for the rest of my life. I was restless. And is, that, I, is, I, that because, is that because you had so many offers and you were young and, and, and you were trying to uh, separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak? Uh, yes, I think that is very much uh, a part of it. Okay. But at the same time, there was something inside of me that said, I haven't heard from God enough to know mm. the shape my life should take going forward. Mm. And I, I remember one night in Edmonton, it was in uh, uh, the wintertime in uh, late November, I went to the church where our Bible school was conducted in Edmonton, a Central Tabernacle, at the end of service, Scott, in, in those days, almost always in Pentecostal circles, we had a time of prayer at the end of the service. It would be a prayer meeting of some sort. And people were invited to come, usually downstairs in a room of some sort, and to, to just 
linger in prayer and talk to God. Now, we don't practice that anymore. We really don't. And I think it's a a bad trend or or whatever the word is there because we really need to spend more time in prayer than what we do. But at, at this time of prayer... Something happened to me spiritually. It's very difficult to describe. I'll, I'll do the best I can. But as I knelt to pray that night, I had an urgency and a burden come up from inside of me. It was a part of the Holy Spirit in my spirit. His spirit bears witness with my spirit, our spirit. And that night, I sensed an expectancy that God wanted to talk to me. But I didn't know how to hear him or how to, uh, to facilitate that or make it happen. So basically, I, I went to the altar at the end of the service, knelt and prayed, and started to pray in my prayer language. And it was an amazing thing. Uh, a burden came on me. It was like uh, I, I couldn't explain it. I didn't know what it was. But I knew in praying, when you pray in another tongue, you're praying according to the will of God. The Bible says that. You know when you talk in tongues or pray in tongues that you're praying according to God's will. And that's why I think it's so important for believers who've been spirit-filled to spend time and to give the Holy Spirit time, devotional time, in their own life. I, I try to spend time talking in the Spirit to the Lord every day. And it keeps my spirit cultivated. It keeps it fresh it keeps me in a state of being able to hear God, and that is so important. But that night <clears throat> when the burden came on for about two, three hours, I agonized, God. I really agonized, and I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe I'm praying for someone overseas. Maybe there's somebody mm. in trouble. Yeah. And a missionary needs help in Africa. You don't know yeah. what's happening because your mind has not been uh, informed but the thing is for us to be obedient in, and stay in our prayer language and stay talking to Jesus. And uh, so I prayed, I would say it was two and a half, three hours. And after about three hours, uh, something changed. It was almost as though the burden lifted off of my shoulders and I, be, I, I was filled with a joyful spirit. I, I began to rejoice. I began to... Uh, to really enjoy or, or to sense that something had been moved out of the way. I had dealt with something that, that needed to be taken care of in my spirit. Well, uh, <clears throat> I got up after, I think it was four hours that night, and, uh, hey, you don't have to pray four hours to hear the voice of God, so don't take any lessons from that. Thanks. Oof, that was good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in, in the process, as I got up to walk out of the building, again, it was in the wintertime, it was deadly, or deathly cold is a better word, and uh, I, I, I put on my jacket. I was walking out of the front door of the church, and uh, someone called me from the building. It was the youth pastor of the church. His name was Murray Dempster. Murray and I were in the same Bible school class together. And he asked me a question. He said, Terry, do you know what you were praying in the Spirit? And I looked at him. I, I had not up to that time uh, <clears throat> majored in the interpretation of tongues, but he obviously had that gift. And he said, let me tell you what you were praying. And I said, wow, Maria. I said, I'd appreciate that. I, 
I know I had a burden, and then the Lord lifted it. He said, yes. He said, when you started to pray, you were praying the words of Isaiah in chapter 6, where Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips in the midst of people with unclean lips. And then he said, after about two hours of praying that, woe is me, I am undone. I, I, I am a man of unclean lips, etc. He said, then you came to that verse, the continuation of the portion in Isaiah 6, that says, whom shall I send? This is God's question to Isaiah. Whom shall I send and who will go for me? He said, that was the question. He said, that was when the, your agonizing became intense. It's like you were offering yourself to God. And through the Holy Spirit, you were praying, whom shall I send? Who will go for me? He said, then at the end, when you broke into victory, you started praying these words. Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. And he said, you prayed that over and over and over again. And he said, there was such liberty came on you and, and such victory in the Lord. He said, uh, that's what you were praying. Now, I had no idea, Scott, that that would become a watershed for me. That Those four hours spent in church that night were at a vital time for me. Uh, I remember as I walked out of the church and my feet touched the sidewalk, it was, it was below zero. I mean, uh, Edmonton in late October, <laughs> good luck for weather, or late November. As soon as my uh, foot touched the sidewalk, I remembered a friend, a childhood friend, that I grew up with in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. This was about 350 miles from where I was at that particular point. And all of a sudden, I had this idea come into my head. Why don't you call Dennis? He plays a guitar. You could learn how to play the guitar. And you could uh, begin to travel and do a series of meetings as evangelists on the road. I had never thought of a, an idea like that. God, it came out of the blue. And I said to the Lord immediately, I said, Lord, I'll go and buy a guitar. I'll do whatever I do or I can do. But I said, I don't know where Dennis is. I haven't heard from him for years. The next day, Scott, this, and, and this is how the Holy Spirit speaks. Sometimes he gives us promptings, and that was a prompting from the Holy Ghost. But other times, something off the wall comes into your mind, like thinking about Dennis, not knowing where he was. And then I had this compunction. I've got to hear from him. I've got to get a hold of him. I made up my mind, I'm going to try to track him down by telephone somehow. The next day, in the mail, comes a letter from Dennis Bjorgen. And he says, Terry, I've been praying about it. And he says, the Lord has talked to my heart. And he said, I think you and I would make a great evangelistic team traveling on the road, singing, playing guitars. He said, why don't we consider getting together and becoming a group, a musical group? Scott, <clears throat> I read the letter. I just, I danced in my bedroom. I just danced. That's a, that's a scary thought to think of you dancing. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and it was then too, but whatever. And uh, anyway, as I, I danced around the room, I had this 
wonderful sense that I had heard God the night before, that the Lord was in charge, and that uh, Dennis and I were going to join together. So about a couple months later, he lived in neighboring Saskatchewan. I lived in Medicine Hat at that time. So at at Christmas time, uh, Dennis came to uh, Medicine Hat, drove his car, and brought his guitar, and he and I went down to a music store in Medicine Hat. I bought a bass, a Fender bass guitar with a Fender amp. I learned how to play by ear. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't playing with my ear. I was, I was trying to hear the music and, and yeah, play. Pick it. up the notes rather than yeah, yeah by sight. And uh, <clears throat> I, I was amazed at how easy it was for me to learn. And within a week. Dennis and I had a repertoire of a few songs that we were ready to sing, and my dad was at a special meeting of uh, ministers from across Alberta in our Medicine Hat Church, and they asked Dennis and I to sing for this meeting, and these pastors were all there, and they said, well, uh, would you come and to our church for a meeting? We'd like to have you for a youth meeting. So Dennis and I, within you know no time at all, we had bookings coming out our ears, uh, we traveled all over Canada. We went to Africa for a year. And it was in Africa that God got a hold of my life about missions. But the important thing I wanted to share here is the the activity of, of the, the Holy Spirit and how when I prayed in the Spirit, I didn't know what I was praying. And God gifted me with someone who operated in the interpretation of tongues and was able to tell me what I was praying. But when Murray came up and said, this is what you were praying, it registered with me directly. And I knew that I'd been talking to God. And from that moment to this, one of the habits that I have, and that's why I'm, I'm teaching how important it is for us to pray in the Spirit, and I'm going to give you another illustration here in a moment. I happened on this idea. I, I learned many years later from Oral Roberts how important our prayer language is. Oral taught me that. Kenneth Hagin taught me that. And I, I learned about the importance of spending time. And oftentimes there will be various things happen in our lives. But let me tell you, folks, God speaks to us in many ways. Sometimes he speaks in dreams. Sometimes he speaks in visions. Sometimes he speaks with just a prompting. Other times he'll speak to us through Scripture, and that's primarily how God speaks to me. He speaks to me through his word. But uh, there are so many delivery systems that God has. But the important thing for us is to spend time praying in the Spirit. And I'll, I'll use one more illustration, if I may, here, Scott. I remember when Living Sound made its one of its uh, first journeys into Russia, into the Soviet Union. This was in the year 1979, and uh, we were carrying, on our bus, we were carrying a recording studio for the underground church. We were smuggling into Russia. We were uh, taking in uh, tape duplication machines and, and things like this. It was, it was a high-level operation. And I remember on our way into Russia, uh, we had a concert scheduled in Kiev, in the Ukraine, in Kiev, in a Baptist church on the edge of town. We pulled our bus in there, and I was scheduled to meet with one of the underground leaders in the church out in the bush. 
I spent some time with him. It was a it was a wild trip altogether. And uh, uh, when I came, when the service started and the our equipment had been set up, etc., I came back through the bush and I saw a police vehicle, Milizia. It said M I L I J C A. I think it's spelled that way. And uh, there was a, a police van in front of my, our van. And my heart beat like a trip hammer. I had to get on the bus, uh, get my Bible, and walk off the bus into the church to preach. And uh, when I got inside, the building was jammed. Probably 700 in a building that should have maybe seated 300. People were in the aisles. They were hanging on the walls. There were uh, 100 outside that couldn't get in. But when I walked in, our interpreter, my interpreter, Victor, said, they're here tonight. I said, who's here? He said, the KGB. I said, where are they? He said, they're everywhere. Look, and you'll find who they are. And there they were. They were uh, moving through the crowd with cameras, taking pictures of people. One guy stood 10 feet in front of me when I preached with a microphone out to, to verify everything that I was saying so that they could put me on trial. I mean, it was a, a mind-blowing thing. My drummer uh, went outside while I was preaching, and a guy came up to him and said, we know who you are. We know your name is Living Sound. We know that you've been in Russia before, and if you think you're going to do what you did last time you were here, you can forget it because we're going to stop you dead. That was his comment that night. Well, when the service was over and I could tell a lot of side stories, I don't want to, I went back to my hotel room and I knew I was in trouble. I knew I would be facing the KGB head on probably the next day. So I went down for breakfast the next morning. By the way, let me explain the night. And this is why it's apropos. That night, I, I, I went to my room and I started to pray, knelt down by my bed and started to pray. And a burden came on me to pray. I, I agonized in, in my prayer language. And that's why I, I'm, I'm telling this beat to illustrate what happened. As I agonized in the spirit, I went on for an hour, two hours, three, about 4.30 in the morning, I heard a voice from God in my spirit, in my inner man, and it simply said Acts chapter 4. I had a Bible with me. I opened my Bible to Acts 4 where Peter and John were commanded by the Pharisees not to preach in the name of Jesus, and they were told to shut up. And Peter answered the Sanhedrin council and said, whether it's right to listen to God or men, you be the judge, for we cannot but speak the things that we've seen and heard. And that word leapt off the page. It was a rhema word from God. It was after four mm. hours of praying in tongues. Reading, reading the Logos. Right. And the Logos became, became a rhema. Rhema. Bang. Mm. And I knew I was listening to God. So uh, I, I took comfort in that. The next morning, I walked into the breakfast with uh, the rest of the group, and our Soviet interpreter came up and said, Terry, I've got some men who want to talk to you now. And they didn't give me an option. They said, now. So I followed him down a long hall and into a room. There were several military people in the room. Uh, uniforms, uh, lots of medals on the chest, etc. Guys sitting on the corner, uh, on a chair in the corner, and watching me. And uh, the guy behind the desk said, "You broke our law going to church last night, 
and we're considering whether to throw you in jail or what. You've broken our law. And uh, Scott, to this day, I do not remember where I said what I said next. I read it somewhere. I had to have read it. I said, sir, the Soviet Constitution ratified in 1977 declares in Article 52 that you have provided, the Communist Party has provided freedom of religion for its people throughout the country. I said, is that true or not? He was startled. It was like I'd slapped him across the face. And Scott, I, I, I don't know where I read that. I read it somewhere in a document somewhere, but I was quoting under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the Soviet Constitution. And I just took over the room, just took over everything that was going on in that room. I said, gentlemen, we are here to exercise our religious freedom under your law. We're going to tell everybody we can in your country about Jesus. By the way, did you know that Jesus died on the cross? And I started to preach to the KGB officials. The guy in the corner jumped off his chair. He was waving his fist in my face. His face was absolutely red. And he said, you are interfering in domestic affairs. I said, sir, this is not domestic. This is religious, and I know my rights under your constitution. Put me in jail if you want, but I'm here to do what I came to do. And I said all that, and I turned around, and I walked out of the room. <laughs> when I stepped into the hall... Did you mess your shorts? Oh, no, no, <laughs> I didn't. But when I stepped into the hall, I just leaned against the wall. And I'm saying to myself, where did that come from? Where did that come from? But the reason I'm telling this story is to illustrate how the Holy Spirit prepares us. The, the, the Bible says in the book of John that the time will come when the Comforter will tell us things to come. He'll tell us things we've never heard before, and he'll, he'll work through us this way and that. That's the Comforter. That's the Parakletos. That's the Holy Spirit. And that is the third person of the Godhead that dwells in the body of Christ around the world today. And he is asking for time from you, asking for time from me. And uh, if we're willing to give that time, then he's willing to perform the miracles. Anyway, uh, those are a couple of stories. That was great, Dad. Oh, thank that you. That was wonderful to hear. I've heard that story for probably 40 years, the majority mm -hmm. of my life, I was a wee lad. And I remember coming back and you preaching in churches. And I remember hearing that story and how fantastical that story was and how you, you did not understand where that came from. No, I didn't. And, uh, but you it, know. Was the, it was the Holy Spirit speaking a rhema word uh -huh. into your spirit. You picked up on it and you were able to share that with the KGB and get out of there with your life. And, you know... Scott, this goes way back. I remember when I was working on a farm in Medicine Hat, and I worked for a farmer named Ed Stahl. Ed was a rancher. He lived on the, uh, on the bald prairie of Saskatchewan, no water out there at all. He had 500 Hereford cattle, registered cattle, finest herd in that area of the country, and he needed water. And he started praying in tongues as he worked on his ranch. Everywhere he went, and Ed was a hard-working man. We'd be up 5 o'clock every morning and go to bed at 9 o'clock at night, dead tired. But Ed spent his time praying, 
and talking to God all the time. We'd haul hay bales. He was talking to the Lord, talking in tongues, and over and over. And one night, he had a dream. And in the dream, in his bed in Medicine Hat, the Lord showed him a principle in a dream of where water was stored on the prairies. Now, you go to the prairies and look at it. There's nothing there. It's just all dry. Mm. And the Lord showed him where the water was. And I remember when he told me, he said, Terry, I was praying in the Spirit, and he said, the Lord gave me this dream. And he said, I, I know where there's water. And he said, by the way, there's water over there. And I looked and I said, <laughs> said to myself, yeah, sure. But one day he saw I didn't believe him. And he, he had just had the university officials in a nearby university come to him and ask him how he found water. Nobody else could find water. And he said, oh, he said, I, the Lord showed me in a dream one night. And, and the university professor, I was embarrassed. The university professor said, oh, are you a water diviner? He said, a water no, witcher? A water witcher. He said, no, it was God showed me. Two days later, he came to me, Terry, go to the barn and get a bunch of dynamite. I'm going to show you something. So I went and got a bunch of sticks of dynamite in a box, and we took off in the half ton across the prairie. And uh, he said, there, there's water there. He pointed his finger. And I couldn't see any. It was just as flat and dry and barren as everything else. And so we went over and said, dig, dig a hole. I, we had a spade in the back of the truck, so I... I dug a hole with a spade, went down about three feet. He said, all right, put some of the dynamite down in there, light it off on a fuse, make the fuse long enough so you can, you can run. <laughs> he said, run as fast as you can. So I, I lit it, took off, a bam, I mean, huge rocks blowing in the air and all around. I mean, we're talking real dynamite. And I came running back. I looked in the hole. It was almost big enough to put the truck in the hole. But no, no water. I was looking for water anywhere, seeping up, nothing. He said, all right, dig another hole. And he pointed there. So I dug a second hole way down in the bottom of the big hole and uh, lit off some more dynamite. When I came back, Scott, there was a little trickle of water coming up through the bottom of a, what was now a huge chasm. And we had a big enough uh, water area to feed cattle for the rest of the summer. That well welled up from from an inner stream up into a full well full of water that the cattle could drink of uh, every day. And, I, you know, I looked at this and I said, God, if you can talk to a cowboy with mud on his boots, you can talk to me. I'm a preacher, and I, I want to know how he heard you, and I want you to talk. start talking to me like you talked to him because I, I I've never seen anything like this before. And uh, that was one of those lessons that God gave me. And, uh, wow, mm. it, it, uh, these are intriguing things, actually, exciting things to even talk about. That is wonderful, Dad. You know, just a quick recap. We talked about a few ways that we can hear from the Holy Spirit, meditating on the Word of God, reading Scripture, meditating it, rolling around inside of you, and then being a doer of the Word actually putting that word into action. Mm -hmm. Next would be, like we talked about today, praying in the Spirit, using your prayer language, mm -hmm. and communing with uh, with God and listening to what He would say. And then often, you know, at that point, there's a hunch. There's something that comes to you. Right. 
and you follow that. And let me just add something I haven't said. When I was seeking God later on, after Dennis and I had had traveled for three years, I was pastoring in a church in uh, Alberta, and I was wanting to hear God. And I, I began to seek His face, and the Lord spoke to me about fasting and prayer. And I spent seven days. I didn't uh, eat food, I just drank water. And in that time of fasting and prayer, I called out to God. Now, I didn't hear anything from the Lord at the end of that seven days, but uh, the next week, Oral Roberts, I heard, was coming to have a crusade in Edmonton. And I got a, 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 a day off from Ed to go up and listen to Oral, and that's when God called me to ORU. But all of that was prayer in the Spirit. I was praying in tongues most of the seven days, reading Scripture, quieting myself in the presence of God. And that's how I ended up at ORU. I ended up at ORU because of, and, and pray, praying in the Spirit was a part of it. Mm. Well, we hope you guys learned something today. There's a lot of nuggets of truth that we shared, personal life stories. Great stories, Dad, to share. Love it. Thank you. Well, thank you guys for listening today. We hope that you have learned a little better way to hear the voice of God, read scripture, meditate on it, start doing it, using your prayer language, communing with the Holy Spirit, and listening, listening and then acting on it. It's all listening. It's all listening, quieting yourself, quieting yourself in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the din of all that's going on in your life. Quieting yourself, turning off your phone and all your electronics, and listen to what God is saying to your spirit. If you do these things, we guarantee you, you will hear from God, and it will help out your life, your walk with God tremendously. Grace and peace on you all. Thank you for listening to us. We look forward to talking to you guys again soon. Take care. Thank you for listening today to the Conversations Podcast with Terry Law and Scott Law. We hope you enjoyed it. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Terry Law Speaks. Go to terrylawspeaks.com if you'd like to book Terry to speak at your church or special event. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and many of the other major podcast platforms. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll see you next time as we continue to share the love and grace of God with you and with those who've yet to hear.